How are we doing? Good stuff. Right. Very good. If you've got your Bibles, turn, uh, turn to 1 Timothy, please. That would be great. If you don't know me, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here of King's Church and it's my privilege to lead the team. This is my last Sunday with you for six weeks. That didn't sound very sincere at all, actually. You're all smiling far too much for me to believe a word of it. I'm about to go on six weeks sabbatical. And, uh, yes, I'll be back in seven weeks. <laughs> that's, that's a more honest response there, Bridget, I think. But, uh, no, I mean, I'm just going to take the opportunity to have a bit of a rest physically and emotionally. I'm also looking forward to recharging my batteries with God. So I'm looking to spend loads of time with him and uh, freshly connect. Sometimes you get so busy, can't you, doing things for God that you miss the person you are doing them for. Also, I've been leading the church now for two and a half years. No, 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 I'm not saying I'm finishing. <laughs> it's not like I've now done my term of service and it's all over. No, but I've been, I've been in place about two and a half years and I think this is a great opportunity for me to seek God Think about what we have achieved and accomplished together so far, which, which I believe has been wonderful, what we've been able to do together, but also look to see what are we going to look like in five years' time. What is God calling us to do? When we get to the other side of this building project, when we get there, what is it God is calling us into? What plans and purposes has he got for us? I'm also going to take the opportunity to visit some larger churches, See how churches function that are at the other side of a thousand mark. So I'm probably going to go off up to Nottingham and Peterborough um, and Enfield and have a look and see what they're doing up there. And I've got a week away in Romania and Bulgaria with Dave Holden and Graham Marsh. So if Graham Marsh shows you photographs of me sat outside cafes with glasses of wine, they were all done on Photoshop (laughs) and there's no way I would have been doing anything like that while I was out there with him. Sam's going to be leading the team in my absence and he's going to do an outstanding job. And at the end, the reason I'm preaching slightly earlier is I'm going to finish earlier, no need for a cheer, and we're going to break bread and we're going to pray together as a church. We're going to commit this season to him and my expectation is that we're going to grow numerically We're going to encounter God with fresh waves of power and his grace, that our lives are going to be transformed and that this next six weeks is going to do me good, it's going to do the leadership team good and it's going to do you good as well. And God's going to bless us. Amen? Amen. Excellent. Last time we looked at one Timothy, I I looked at one of the most um, probably contentious and challenging passages in the Bible. This morning I'm going to be looking at something that is a little easier to digest and a little easier to take on board. So let's read it and we'll see where we go. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone... By the way, this is chapter 3. Verse 1. Here is a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, 
He desires a noble task. Now the overseer or the elder must be above reproach. The husband of but one wife. Temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So these first seven verses are all about eldership. They are about the, uh, the leadership tier in the church that governs the church and explains and sets doctrinal understanding. From verse 8 through to verse 13, it talks about a different tier of leadership, deacons. Now, back in January of last year, I spoke at length about deacons, so I'm not going to touch that at all today, but if you want to find out more, go on the website and you can download the preach and you can look at that. But we're going to look at these seven, first seven verses of chapter 3. And what you'll notice is, with the exception of one quality, they are all character. They're all to do with the inner person, not so much as the outer person. You'll notice when Paul is describing to Timothy, so what are these elders, what are these these men to be like who govern and lead the church, what are they to be like? He, he, He starts describing things that talks about leading yourself, leading your family, and that is the platform from which you lead the church. And I felt, as I was preparing this, that I don't want this just to be a lesson for us as a church together. Okay, what should the elders look like that God calls to govern us as a church? I don't want it just to be sort of a theoretical thing, but actually I believe this should be something we are all pursuing. If you are looking at maturity and you are looking to grow and develop your relationship with God on the back of the wonderful cross of Christ, what should my life look like Look at the first seven verses of 1 Timothy chapter 3 and you will see a good description of the character qualities that you should be pursuing as you follow Christ. And so, as we look at these things together, my heart is and my intention is that you'll be looking at them and thinking, how am I doing in these areas? And it's not so much that we try a little bit harder because we know, don't we, that the reason we are sat here today The reason we know Jesus isn't because we tried hard, but because we are recipients of the abundant mercy of God. Amen? Nothing but the blood. Not my effort, not my hard work, not my amazing intelligence, or my good looks. There isn't anything positive that you have added when it comes to your own salvation. It is the mercy and the grace of God that flooded in. And when, and when you think, well, why did God pick me? Do you know what? We never know why God picked us. He just did. He picked you because he picked you. He picked you because he chose to love you. 
And as, as we look at these character qualities, I don't want it to feel like a burden, another burden onto another burden. It's not that. But we look for the grace of God to flood into our lives and bring transformation. What do we do? We look to keep in step with the Spirit. We look to read the Word and faith rise and say, oh yes, this is how God has called me to be. Transform from one degree of glory to the next. What should God's leaders look like? It doesn't mention Bible college. It doesn't mention student. It doesn't mention being gifted in public speaking. But it talks about leading yourself, leading your family, and that being a platform from which you lead the local church. And my prayer this morning is that there will be many of you who are stirred afresh to desire leadership. Maybe not, maybe not eldership, but leadership. To grow in leadership. To look to take the opportunities and the, the possibilities that stand before you. Because, because the church, with all of its frailty and with all of its failings, is God's plan to see Hastings transformed. It's not, it's not local government, although we pray for them. It's not other charity organisations, although they do many, many good things. It's not our education system, although we pray for our teachers and ask for God's grace. It's not local business and investment into the town. The Bible is very clear that it is the local church. The local church is God's plan for seeing communities transformed, families put back on their feet, individual lives set right. It's the local church. Now we are one part of what God is doing here in Hastings. This is what Bill Hybels says. He's one of the largest churches in the US. There is nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. I believe to the core of my being that local church leaders, local church leadership, has the potential to be the most influential force on planet Earth. If they get it and get on with it, churches can become the redemptive centres Jesus wanted them to be. Dynamic teaching, creative worship, deep community, effective evangelism and joyful service will combine to renew the hearts and the minds of seekers and believers alike, strengthen families, transforming communities and changing the world. God has got big plans for the local church. God has got big plans for us. And one of the biggest influences on whether the church is effective or not is the leadership that is within it. We need leaders here who love God, who love His church and who will obey His voice. Men and women who desire great things from God, who are daring in their attempts for Him and who are diligent in working it out. At every level of leadership. 
we gave out our first food parcel on Friday. If you don't know, we've just started a food bank. We gave out our first one. This poor lady had been living on porridge. For a number of days, that's what she ate. That parcel of food would have transformed her weekend. Think, think, just for a moment, just think how well she would have eaten in the last two days because she got that parcel of food. She's not the only one in that situation in our town. And do you know why we were able to give out that parcel of food? Do you know why we were able to? Because God put it on the hearts of men and women in this church to think this is not right. This is not how it should be. This is not how things should be in Hastings. We can make a difference. If I step up, if I dare to believe that I can lead, if I dare to believe that I can make a difference, maybe I could get something off the ground. Maybe I could make a difference in this town. And the reason that lady got a parcel of food was because there were half a dozen men and women who dared to believe that God was calling them to lead something and they put effort and their back into it and they made a difference. Leadership. Leadership, it was made a difference. They put themselves outside of their comfort zone. Were they busy people? Yes, of course they were. Did they have a lot in their place? Yes. Were there a dozen reasons why they should not have done it or it would have been easier not to have done it? Of course. But they were gripped because God called them to lead and make a difference. We can do something that will change other people's lives and demonstrate something of the wonder of the Gospel to a community of people that know nothing Leadership. Leadership, making a difference. We need more leaders. We've got a town out there that is desperate for the Gospel in word as well as in deed. For that woman, think how sweet the Gospel tasted to her. Does she know know we're Christians? No. But demonstrating demonstrating something of the love of God in what we do. Guys, God has not called us to gather on a Sunday morning and listen to a bit of entertaining teaching. Maybe I'll connect with God a little bit in the worship. If that's all God was interested in, we could be in heaven. Because the worship will be outstanding and we won't need the teaching because we will see God as he is. We're here because God's called us to make a difference. But to make a difference needs leadership. It needs men and women who will put aside personal agendas and think, no, I'm going to give myself to something bigger. I'm going to give myself to something greater. God has laid his hand upon me. If you turn to Judges chapter 6, You may think, I I can't be called. There are far too many reasons why I cannot lead. I disqualify myself at every level and in every way. Young people, I'm so thrilled that you are in this morning. 
Because God is calling you to lead as well. It's worrying when your pastor can't find a book of Judges, isn't it? Praise God I'm going on a sabbatical. I can, uh, I'll be able to find it by the time I get back. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the son of uh, Abizarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Sir Gideon replied, "If, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the, into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of, the, out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Gideon was in the winepress, hiding, threshing wheat, Israel had been abandoned by God. God appears to Gideon. We know Gideon was in the smallest tribe, in the smallest clan, in the smallest family, and he was the smallest in that family. He was officially the last person God should have picked to lead Israel, but God appeared to him. What was it he said? He said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. There was a great need. Midian was invading the land year after year after year. They just came in. Harvest time, we come in, we gather the crops, we gather the, we gather the cattle and the sheep and we go away. We leave the land devastated. Israel has nothing to eat. There is massive need. But God's abandoned us. We have a town that is broken. Mums and dads don't know how to parent. They don't know. Never, never seen it. Never seen an authentic model to follow. Generations of worklessness. Well, I've never seen anyone work. People's lives broken. Such, such great need and I guess if we're not careful we can say oh God where are you? Where are you with such great need? Where are you? We've heard of great Welsh revivals we've heard of great moves of the Spirit in the past where are you Lord? Why aren't you intervening? Why aren't why aren't you changing our dear town? We, lo- we love our town. Why aren't you, Lord, doing something about it? I feel this morning, God wants to say to you, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. If, if the Lord is with us, why, why has all this happened? You know what God's answer is? Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Go, go in the strength. 
I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you the wonderful truths of the Gospel. You've seen how God has transformed your life. From, from, from ruin, really broken. And life after life after life, wonderfully transformed. You've seen how God has already done it. Go in the strength God has given you. Church, we don't just need a couple more elders. We need a church mobilised to lead. There are far more leadership opportunities that exist than we have people to fill them. And if we fill all the opportunities that exist in this community, there are thousands of opportunities out there to lead and bring God's love. The Lord is with you. Go, go in the strength God has given you. What, what are we to look like then? God's calling us to lead. What are we to look like? Better get on to 1 Timothy, hadn't I? First thing it says in 1 Timothy is you've got to be above reproach. That pretty much means just read the list. That's how Paul sees above reproach. You'd be the husband of but one wife. Is the mic cutting out a bit? Battery down or handheld? I'll go handheld down. To be the husband of all. To be the husband of but one wife. That means that leaders are to be one woman men. If you're married, God has given you your wife. You are to love her and cherish her Look only at her. No flirting. No pornography. She is your woman. Christ did not redeem you men so you can continue to crawl around in the muck. He has redeemed you that you may display something of Christ's love for his church in the way you love your wife. Single men. So I guess it's the you five down here. I'm guessing you're all single. Until God gives you your wives, which may be a year or two away yet, You're to put Christ first in your hearts, pursue him passionately and keep your lives pure. I know there is more opportunity than when I was young to see all sorts of images and get involved in all sorts of things that will mess you up. Give yourself to God and him first. He sees that integrity. No one else sees what goes on, but he sees what goes on. And he honours you as you honour him. And that is the same for every single guy, married guy, 
In Job 31 verse 1 he says, Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look at a woman lustfully because God sees everything. God sees everything. Women, you're to love your husbands and respond to him. Let it be something that stands out in our society, the way you honour and love. The next thing it says is you're to be temperate. So if we're to be leaders, we are to be men and women who are temperate. That means we're to be stable, not quick-tempered. When, when someone comes to talk to you, they shouldn't be treading on eggshells. We don't know how they're going to react. I'm sure we all know people like that. You know, you know you've got to go and talk to them and you're thinking, I don't know how they're going to respond. God wants to send people to us who, um, who emotionally are up there and they are down there and they are up there and they are all over the place. If we are going to support and love them, we've got to be temperate. We've got to be stable. In verse 2 it says we're to be self-controlled. D.L. Moody, who was a great evangelist, I think it was of the 19th century, says, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than any other man alive. If you want to lead, you've got to first of all learn how to lead yourself. We live in a world that knows so little about self-control. We think it's freedom to do what we want, when we want, but before we know it, we're not free anymore to do what we want, when we want. We're free and caught up with our desires and our passions and we cannot get out of those things. You see, the problem is the way life is designed is that anything that is worth having takes self-control. And anything that is worth keeping takes even more self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. We, we, these days we don't know what, what, we don't have, Hastings doesn't have a wall around it, what's that all about? But when it was written, walls were put around cities to protect them. So that their enemies couldn't just run in and out and do what they want when they want. Like a city with no walls or with a city whose walls are broken down, is a man who lacks self-control. You need, we need to learn to lead ourselves before we can lead others. If I just ask you to uh, just close your eyes for a moment. I thank you, Lord, that you haven't given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-control.
It's not about trying harder. It's about trusting in Him. Self-control is different from legalism. As Christians, we're to be men and women who have self-control. We don't fly off the handle when something upsets us. We don't do things to excess as those with no control. Let's pray, Holy Spirit, will you please come and uh, minister to us. Have your way, Lord. Leaders are to be hospitable. The foundation for a friendly church or friendly welcoming church is not the welcome team. Friendly welcoming church isn't, isn't the welcome team. It's about hospitality. It's the hospitality of the church as a whole. What happens in private, house to house, will set the tone for what happens in public. Hebrews 13 verse 1 says this, Do not forget to entertain strangers. Jesus says in Matthew 25 verse 35, I was a stranger and you invited me in. Just for a moment, have a quick look round. Just have a look at each other. Can you see any strangers? In other words, people you do not know. Can I encourage you? And I say, I've felt very challenged by this myself. Hospitality isn't having your friends around for dinner. It's about displaying something of the hospitality of God. In having people around that maybe will never have your back and have got nowhere else to go. Strangers you've not met before, people you just don't know very well, but come around and have a meal. Come around and spend some time. Leaders are not to be drunkards. I mean, I think you could say drunkards, you could say, um, really, it's addicted to anything. It's leaning on anything other than Jesus Christ. If you are using food, drink, drugs, pornography, if you are using anything to lean upon to prop your life up, We need to be those who are leaning on Christ. Amen? We know who we are. We know what Jesus has done for us. We trust him and we trust him alone. It says, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome. 
Should we not be those who bring peace, not stir it up? Would any of you ever be accused of being stirrers? Just a comment here or there, just a, I like to get a reaction. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called of God. So it's not a lover of money. In other words, it's not a problem to have money, but just don't be greedy. Make money, be generous. Remembering that people are always more important than profit. You get the financial results on the radio for Sainsbury's and Tesco's and things like that. What is it that they always talk about? They talk about the bottom line, the, the, the bottom figure. Have they made money? And, and that's important. If the business is going to continue, that is right. But actually, it's also about people. How we treat people. When we're looking for trustees or appointing senior leaders, I want to know they're giving generously. I want to know that they are giving first to God. It's important, isn't it? Now, if I, if I stand up here and say, if I were to say, for instance, next October, we're going again. You know that gift day we had last year? We're going again. I want to know my leaders are right there, not just saying, come on church, let's give generously, but they are the first to put their hands in the pocket. They're the first to rearrange their mortgage. They are the first to give generously. That's the sort, that's what you'd want, isn't it, church? Yeah? That's what I'd want. It's important. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. You see, if if he can't manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church, which is God's family? Again, let me encourage you, invest into your family. Make it a priority. If you're not quite certain what you're supposed to be doing with your children... Talk to Richard and Anna. Talk to Digger and Sheila. Talk to Simon and Kate. Talk to Kevin and Liz. Ask if you can meet with some of the pastoral deacons, Paul and Hazel, Adrian and Liz. They will be happy to help you. Happy to help you. Give you to shed away any pride. Shed away, I should know what I'm doing. You know, I've been in the church quite a long time. I should. No, just say, look, I'm really finding it hard. Please help me. Let's stand with you in prayer. They give you good advice. And it's not they've got it all right. You'll probably learn as much by the mistakes they've made as by the good things they tell you. But it's so important that we invest well into our families. I would have it that you all have a desire to lead. 
crucial. It's crucial for the sake of our town, for the sake of communities around us, that you would lead. At the very beginning of Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Here's a trustworthy saying. If anyone sets his heart on being an overseer, he desires a noble task. Now, what I've been talking about today really hasn't been so much about eldership, although all of the character qualities are transferable. I've just been talking about general leadership in the church. But I, I, ah, I'd love you to desire it. Heard a story, I've been away at um, Elders and Wives Conference up in Nottingham. Heard a story out of one of the churches there of this, this lady, she's addicted to drugs, um, probably caught up in prostitution. And someone from, from the church met with her and chatted and just asked her a little bit about her story. And she said... Her dad used to go to church. Her dad used to go to church. And then when he came home, he used to rape her and her brother. And that's why she's on the streets. heartbreaking she needs to meet her father in heaven she needs people who are bold enough and brave enough to step out and put themselves out of their way to share something of God's love When the church gets it wrong, it's horrendous. But when the church gets it right, wonderful things can happen and lives can be transformed amazingly, absolutely amazingly. There are many people around us who are eating porridge every day who are desperately hurt and messed up by the past and what's happened to them. And I want to encourage you. God has called you to go. God has called you to make a difference and to see lives transformed by the gospel. We need leaders. We need more leaders than we've got. We need men and women who aspire to it. We need to help train you. We're not doing that very well at the moment. Actually, we're not doing it at all, but in that sense, there's things we need to do. We need fresh grace and power. I guess really I wanted to preach into your desires this morning. And I wanted to... I want, to be honest, I want to agitate and offend you. I want to stir you up. I don't want you to settle for where you're at. If you are just settled attending church on a Sunday morning, 
I pray for the mercy of God to break in on you. Because that's not what God's called us to do. I'm alright, I'm going to heaven. Let's stand and we'll pray. And then we better get on, otherwise we'll be going on till three in the afternoon. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the good shepherd. Ah, Lord, ultimately it is about you. Can I invite the band up actually as I'm praying? Our Holy Spirit, please come and settle upon us afresh. Lord, I pray would you take the good of what I've said this morning and use it for your name and your glory. Lord, I pray stir afresh within us, a fresh passion for you, a fresh passion for your church, a fresh passion to see lives wonderfully transformed by the gospel. Lord, I pray we wouldn't settle for where we're at. We wouldn't be comfortable. We're in a dry building. It's relatively warm. I'm with some nice people. Oh God, please save us from that. Please save us from just being settled and, uh, oh well, we're all okay. Lord, put missionary zeal again into our hearts. I pray for um, fresh calls, Gideon calls on our lives this morning. I pray it would be that people would leave here knowing they've been arrested by you. They've been caught up by you. It's as though God has said to them, be, you know, stand up, be strong, mighty warrior. I'm calling you to go. I'm calling you to deliver. I'm calling you to go and make a difference. Oh, Lord, stir our hearts. Lord, I pray where there are aspects of our lives where we just know we're just really not measuring up. Some of those character things. I pray would you convict us. But I thank you, Lord, straight after conviction comes forgiveness and restoration and grace and power. Oh, Lord, would you come and sweep in against us, over us again. Come and have your way, we pray. We are, we are so thirsty for you. Come and have your way, we pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you. You're the good shepherd. Read the Gospels, Lord. We know you laid down your life for us. You came on a missionary journey for us. Thank you, it's your church, your bride. We're your people. It's all about you anyway. Oh God. Oh God, come and have your way, we pray. Amen. Oh